uh, tech, and or today's core session that you all are going to work on with me, is all about the uh, uh, art of alignment and twists. And we'll do twists and balances and backbends, right? But what I kind of wanted to do is go over some stuff um, because to me, I don't think that um, our asanas have alignment, people have alignment. And what we're really doing is that we're um, safely teaching asana is actually allowing us to tap into svadhyaya. Do you know what svadhyaya means? Right? Self-study. Yeah, so a lot of what we're doing to work on alignments in these three sessions that we gather is to focus on kind of learning to look at every body as their own body. And we saw Stephanie in that cute little outfit of muscles, but everybody's skeleton is so different. And there isn't a large number of us in here, but all of our bodies are so extremely different. So that when we start going through um, back bends and twists and um, the third one that we're gonna be doing together, which I don't even remember what it is right now, but when we start kind of working on alignment for all of that, I really wanted to have you uh, have all the handouts that you can look at on your own um, so that you can teach from a place of resiliency and not teach from a box, right? Because um, a question that I always ask when I hand out anything based on twists, this is what we're gonna work on today, um, when we're working on all of this stuff, um, we're trying to find inner peace, right? And whether it's a back bend or a, a, a twisting pose or um, some of the balancing poses that we're going to talk about, we're going deeper into our practice and working to wring out old toxic patterns. So each pose has to really be focused on subtly as its own unique thing. So the first thing I'm going to hand out to you are three sheets, which are actually six sheets because they're double-sided. Nope. So, yep, I take one and pass it on. And it kind of talks about just specifically alignment. Being aligned in your truth, remembering that as we focus on breaking down these segments into three different groups of styles, or I mean of like um, twists, backbends, and balancing poses, what we're really focusing on is actually being aligned in our truth and being aligned in Tadasana as we look at each skeleton as its own thing. And the second handout that I have for you is uh, the um, chart of all of the Ashtanga poses, right? Because the Ashtanga poses give you a really good kind of diagram of some of the basic twists and back bends and balancing poses that we do all the time. Does that make sense? And then you have a chart that's right in front of you. And a lot of people have never even done a Shanga class, so it's really nice to see where a lot of the traditional vinyasa practices and flow classes come from, which is what a lot of you will go out and be teaching at first, is uh, more of a flow class versus like a restorative class or a yin class. Because people like to drop into awareness and people like to come to the practice in a more physical way. And uh, this is a more physical um, sequence. But what I love about the um, handing this out is that if we say like, oh, let's talk about like uh, a revolved triangle, you can, we can kind of see a picture, right? And then the other thing that I'm passing out is literally a handout on twist, front and back, and it'll go through some of the poses that we'll talk about. Uh, everything that we're going to talk about in these three sessions, these three core sessions, is all interconnected. And that's why I wanted you to have the initial handout on alignment is because um, we're trying to work from optimal alignment and we're trying to give ourselves the opportunity not to achieve some kind of ideal symmetry or perfect pose, 
but we want to keep experimenting and playing with the movements and finding the way that works best for us and our students. Mm -hmm. So I wanted you to have this kind of like handout of the subtle art of alignment, and it's six pages. Um, but if our bodies are amazing human machines, and I'm just reading off of that first page, powered by the breath, we have this amazing thing called the spine, which is a super highway to our brain. And our inhales and our exhales that are the pistons of our engine really are the things that help us with proper alignment. So whatever we talk about in the next couple of hours that we work together, if you remember breath and you remember every pose comes from Tadasana, you will never really um, adjust someone improperly, right? Because you're always helping them find alignment. And then I thought that there's some interesting kind of quotes um, here about um, alignment and happiness, just because alignment, when you are aligned, when you are grounded in sensation, you find the consistency, the support, the wholeness, and the awareness that you need. And just like a tree, and I tell this to kids all the time, if you nurture yourself with the breath and you have that really nice, solid, supportive base, like the, the uh, not stem, but the, like the trunk of a tree, just like the trunk of a body, then we can bear fruit, we can grow leaves, we can find, um, we can find our body really blossoming, right? And if we can grow roots to bear fruit, no matter which way the wind blows, no matter how chaotic it is, no matter what physical thing we're dealing with, no matter what um, emotional thing we're kind of holding on to, whether it's political or personal, right? We have the ability to find calm in the center of anything that's a little bit uh, chaotic. And that is, bless you, that is really an awesome opportunity as us as individuals during this time of the Kalinga that I was talking about, and to go out and do incredible work, right? And help people in other countries start businesses so that they can support their families when they were told that maybe they couldn't work, right? And it's gonna help us be better partners, and it's gonna help us to be better moms, and all these cool things. Um, and, uh, or parents, friends, teachers, educators, helping people find their you know what? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just such an interesting job. I can't wait to hear more about it. Um, right? Yeah. Um, and everything that we're going to talk about today and the poses that we're going to be going on is about if we're really finding the central nervous system to connect and feel grounded and settle into our bodies, right? It's really all about that um, idea of What's my, one of my favorite, favorite um, uh, sayings from the uh, Yoga Sutras? It's on the front of your subtle art of alignment page, right? We're trying to find this state of effortless effort, or shira sukha asana, right? We're balancing out our strengths and our weaknesses, and finding that balance between motion and stillness, so that we're not forcing things. You know, like, what's that saying? You don't want to, like, if you love someone, like, set them free. Don't grip on too tightly, right? But it is. It's so hokey, but it's completely true, right? You want to be able to be just like the lungs are to your heart when you practice. You want to use your breath in a forceful way, but you also want to hold the preciousness of your heart and your lungs and work um, to find balance, right? Shtira Sukha Asanam to me is very similar to Ha and Ta. What are Ha and Ta? Like right? The sun and the moon, right? Masculine. Masculine, feminine, right? I had some spicy food last night, so hot and cold, you know, like spicy, not spicy, sweet, sour. But we're always working for that Shtira Sukha. We're always working for that effortless effort. So as we go through these twists today, I want you to think about not the um, actual, like, it should look this way and be really militant about it, 
But I want you to think about like, wow, look at this body, right? So our mats are set up in a way that we're gonna be partnering, but we're gonna switch partners so that you can kind of feel and adjust in different ways um, using alignment to be the key of the balance. So everything is based on Tadasana. When we get this awesome alignment, um, it, to me, it is almost like the idea of drishti, right? And drishti isn't that external looking and grasping and reaching outward, but it's going inward and looking inward. And that inner joy, or like they call it joyful insight when you meditate, is moment to moment, right? So I might have woken up this morning and didn't feel so freaking awesome. But then when you start tapping into the breath, you start tapping into alignment, you start to kind of drop in and get out of your head, you actually are able to really find that joyful insight that drishti or pure seeing offers us. And I think we forget that as humans. We have a choice. So people might be coming to the mat for a vinyasa practice, why I handed out that Ashtanga thing, but actually, we have this awesome opportunity to help them to then start to maybe wake up something within them and start to have that pure seeing and realize that, oh, I don't have to keep up with the Joneses. Oh, I don't have to do something when it's not really like exactly what I want to be doing, but someone told me I should be doing it. But actually having the joyful insight and listening inward to be able to like really go out there with that cool, passion thing that they are. And then in turn, life becomes that effortless effort, that shirasuka. When we're doing all of these twists and stuff, I want you to remember that we're working from the, um, because we're working from the central nervous system, right? Um, and we're gonna switch to the handout for the twists. Um, we're doing a lot of things to cleanse and wring out. Okay, so when we cleanse and wring out, um, and if you look at the first page of twists, uh, we are doing a lot of things to tone our internal organs and detox. We're doing a lot of things in twists that are about digestion and elimination. Helps us poop. A lot of people have a hard time going to the bathroom. A lot of people hold a lot of, if you go to the front page of the twisting one, a lot of people, um, our kidneys are at our um, lower lumbar region area. And because um, a lot of times we go into fight or flight, we just kind of repress and we lock out that area. It sends cortisol through our system. So we're actually sending stress hormones versus letting go of it. And that's why twists are so good, especially when people are stuck in their more survival mode, fight or flight. Um, that reptilian brain. So that twist helps to um, reduce the back pain caused from stress, but also helps to reduce the cortisol production caused by stress so that we can uh, be more free and more easeful in our experiences, even if we're challenged. So I know this is kind of like hokey, right? But if your first, second, and third chakras are in that space of where the kidneys are, um, just rinsing them out helps you feel more safe, less congested. You're not holding on, you're not as like repressed, but you can kind of like uh, start that blossoming and um, that uncoiling, right, of that area. Um, and uh, the cool thing, as it says here, for energetic and emotional benefits is that it like actually um, speeds things up. So if people feel like tired or lethargic or like holding on to stuff, if you give them twists, it helps with depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. The things you have to watch out for when you're doing twists would be more like um, pregnancy. They recommend um, just so that the, there's no challenges with the um, connection of the baby to the uterus, you know, that, that you don't do twists during the first trimester. That's something, and there's relaxin that's starting, all these hormonal 
changes so that that, that can uh, uh, make you like overstretch and then it could cause some damage. So you want to be careful about people who are pregnant. Um, if there's any stuff like um, spinal injuries or um, chronic digestive issues, you want to kind of have them see their doctor before having them come to class or like giving them a big twist. You know, you do something more gentle like a cat and a cow versus a twisting pose like a... Uh, same thing with the SI joint issues. Someone who really has a bad back thing, then you want to uh, make sure you give yourself time to uh, not force anybody into it and, and make sure that their doctor um, the other thing that I thought was really cool about the energetic and emotional benefits is that twists um, not only calm the nervous system, but it uh, fans the gastric fire. And according to like Kundalini, uh, Shakti is the dormant feminine energy that's sometimes coiled at the base of the spine. And it can cure diseases when she moves up to meet the masculine energy at the top. So that's kind of cool if you're into that more woo-woo stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, when you do that, um, we know that our nervous system, yogis called it more of like nadis, the flowing rivers of energies. Um, but when you do twists, it really helps to stimulate all the chakras and give um, really incredible um, calming benefits to the nervous system. Uh, twists uh, restore balance to your body, your mind, and your spirit because of the fact that it's relieving stress because you are uncoiling that bound up stuff. Um, some people even believe that um, twists um, uh, help you to uh, uh, cure asthma and infertility. Yeah. Um, because they're dis, you know, dislodging and opening up the reproductive systems. Which is interesting because a lot of times they say, like, for during, um, for women, we call it like the, um, it, uh, you know, when you're having your um, woman's holiday. In, in old school yoga, they didn't let you practice during a woman's holiday. It was kind of like, um, did anybody ever read that book, The Red Tent? Yes. Okay, right? Great book, right? So that was kind of like, go to the red tent, you know? But um, now what they're actually saying is that twists can help to release pain if you have like really bad endometriosis or different things like that. It can actually help to relieve it. Twists are really good too, and I had mentioned about depression, but twists help stimulate digestion and your metabolism. And as it does that, it, it, it like triggers this amazing kind of boost of energy. So if people are really lethargic or not in a good frame of mind, twists are really good. So there's lots of kundalini practices where um, I call it the washer dryer for kids, but it, have you ever, you were like twisting? That's a really good one, um, just to simply get your body to create a little bit of a um, motion and energy to rise and it stimulates that um, energetic effect. Um, yeah. And then if you want to, at the bottom of this, um, I always like to give you little like um, journal questions. But for your journal question, there's like one on there. If life is full of twists and turns, what do you do when you need some time to unwind? And I always think that, um, you know, when you're wringing out old toxic patterns, what helps to reveal your way of finding self-acceptance and peace? Right? Yeah? I mean, and that's what's so cool is I think that uh, we have, um, I don't know if you have to journal as part of your stuff for your training, but I think that when you start to do programs like these yoga, you know, like um, teacher training programs, all of a sudden you realize, wow, 
oh, I have so much more time during the day because the superfluous stuff drops away. And then you do have time to be in nature or journal or be able to kind of like listen more, right? And not really fill yourself up with all the busyness that sometimes people do because they are afraid of being with themselves. Mm -hmm. So if you have time and you want to kind of talk uh, about this with yourself in a journal, um, I have that little question questionnaire for you. There's a bunch of uh, uh, postures that are listed there for twists. And uh, one of them is uh, I didn't give all of the Sanskrit names, but I gave you most of them. So in the next um, in the next hour and fifteen minutes, we're going to go through a bunch of poses and some fun ways to adjust your friends in poses and kind of watch bodies and touch bodies. As I say in every every time, um, other than giving you a homework question at the end of your sheets, which I didn't put on this one, um, but. Uh, remember that when you're doing adjustments to people, your most powerful tool is your voice. You might be teaching a class to six people. You might be teaching a class to 600 people, you know, if you're doing like an event. You might be teaching a class to 50 people in a room, because a lot of rooms have like maximum capacities of like 50. And our you want to really remember that your verbal cues and your pacing and your breath work really, really affect and are supportive and motivating to your students so that you, you don't have to touch anybody if you don't want to. But you can watch people and cue to them based on what you see, right? Uh, and when you are helping people with their alignment, Make sure that you're working from Tadasana and that you're allowing them and to work from their skeleton and not yours, right? A lot of people come to teaching and they come from a place of maybe ego. So they're coming from a place of uh, their expectations. You can't put your expectations on someone else's body because you don't know how their trochanter and acetabulum fit together in their hip sockets. You don't know if they have a fusion in their spine, right? You don't know what exactly is emotionally going on with them when they woke up to come to class. So, every pose is from mountain pose or tadasana. So every pose is just from structural alignment versus like what you think that person should do uh, based on what your experiences are. It has to be based on their body, on their tadasana. In every pose. Mm -hmm. That's why we always teach from modifications on up. That's always we always teach from the feet up through the top of the head because then you can give really good basic cues just as if you were teaching Tadasana. Because the way that my hips are are gonna to be totally different than the way that your hips are. My rotation of my torso could be totally different because you might have a short torso and I might have a really long torso. Mm -hmm. so as you, we pose. You start the modification from the feet up. You start, start your feet. cueing from the feet up, right? And then you start your, um, uh, you always teach from modifications on up because you don't want to be like, okay, we're going to do a revolve, blah, 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 or, you know, like do some crazy pose right away. We always kind of like ease our way into it. There's an arc of intelligence in your body and there's an arc of an intelligence to your class when you sequence a class, right? You're not just going to put someone in a twist right away unless it's a real gentle supine twist or like uh, say you're sitting in Sukhasana, your perfect pose, and you've just done like a seated um, you know, opening meditation, 
and then you've done maybe some shoulder shrugs, maybe you've done a side body stretch, lifting one arm and then the other, and then maybe you open your arms and place, say, your right hand forward, left hand back, and do a twist. That's a gentle twist. But you're not going to, like, go right into this crazy poses. Yeah. So we always have this arc from modification. Yep, modification Yep, up to, say, your peak pose is going to be, um, like, a dance of Shiva. So you're doing a standing crazy twist, or you're going to do, like, a side pro. You're not going to start off class with a side pro. Yeah. And other than uh, the working from modifications on up, the other thing I always say to uh, you all is that you want to breathe with the student. Yes, so when you're adjusting someone and you walk into their space, you've already asked at the beginning of class, is it okay if I adjust you? And if it's not, then you know, you'll know you have your students maybe in child's pose or you'll ask out before class or something like that. But you'll know who wants to be touched and who doesn't want to be touched because you want to um, work from trauma sensitive, right? You want to be careful about you know who, how, you, how and who you touch. And then after you've asked, uh, figured that out, then when you're going to give someone an adjustment, you as a teacher have set the space for your students, and you've kind of started cueing the breath, but what if you walk up to someone and their breath isn't as balanced and as calm? You have to kind of start to help them to slow down their rhythm by working with their breath and not coming in from your breath. So if I'm going to adjust you, I'm not going to adjust you if I have like a four to four count and your student is on like a two to one count. You're not going to go in and adjust them on a four to four rhythm. You're going to find what their rhythm is, like a metronome, and you're going to help them move to lengthen their rhythm, but also twist them from their rhythm versus twist them from what you're breathing at. Does that make sense? Right. Let them evolve and change on their own. That's the magic, is that, like, yeah, we can retrain our brains, but we're not going to force it into them. We're going to just gently let it evolve, gently let it transform. Is that ever a deciding factor for you? If you do, like, would you, if someone was really breathing at two to one, would you be just like, okay, maybe cue breathing as the investment? Yeah, totes. So if you're near that person and you're like, oh my gosh, uh, I can see this person's still really anxious or they're not really figuring out how to find that good exhale, then I would, yeah, that's a great uh, uh, thought process. You're thinking like a teacher, yeah. Because I might come up to each one of you and because we've already kind of talked about how the fact that we're all so different, an adjustment and a twist for chair pose might be totally different for each person, right? So as we go through this process, remember you can go to the bathroom, you can like get up, you can eat, you can do whatever you want to, but we're going to start touching everybody. Sound good? Okay. Cool. Me too. You're going to go to the biffy. Okay. So I will um, give us a little bit of a break for a second. So your question was, what is by definition a twist? But in theory, when we're working with yoga, we're working with different vortexes of energy, right? So if we look up and we ask Siri, which we got funny answers, but if we look up and ask Siri, like, what twist is in the dictionary, I'm sure it would be, like, uh, rotation. Okay. Uh, in Sanskrit, a lot of times they say, like, uh, revolved. The word revolved is pavrita in Sanskrit. And I always think of, like, a revolution, right? So it has to be something where you're flipping perspectives or rinsing things out like a dirty dish rag or bringing out sensation. But if we work with the theory of um, we have different vortexes of energy in our body, then um, the way that we think about it is like if I'm going to have my hands active in a downward facing dog, my thumb and index finger spiral inward, but my wrist to elbow spirals and opens. And then my um, bicep, tricep complex spirals inward, but my shoulders spiral open. So we're working with these vortexes of energies. Because what is a chakra? Energy. Okay. It's spinning. It's spinning. Right. It's, so chakra is, the word means wheel. 
right? So we're always working with these vortexes of energy because really, we are alchemists, right? So if we're alchemists, we're just like practicing Einstein's theory of relativity. We're just a bunch of little things, fictional things going blah, 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 right? And so we're all these little bits, but they're all moving subtly in all directions. So we are literally, in a way, trying to harness the pure potentiality of the breath, because the breath is our life force, and we're trying to keep everything kind of cohesive and interconnected. So if I ask you to, like, um, twist, and the idea would be that if I'm standing here like that, <laughs> right, so I'm schlumping, and I'm like, look kind of like sad and depressed, or if I cross the arms and I'm like protecting my heart, but I'm, I'm not twisting, right? But I'm also not in if I'm in Tadasana and I'm actually truly active, and let's all stand up and feel what this feels like, lift up your ten toes, right? The ball mounts of your feet and your heels are down, but your big toes touch down, and the rest of the toes fan out from the big toe. All of a sudden, I've created a little bit more stability. And then I lower the other toes down, so my toes spiral inward, but my ankle to my knees spiral open, and then my inner thighs spiral inward, and my hips spiral open, and all of a sudden, I'm moving, I'm dancing, I'm practicing the dance of the opposites, which is the ha and the ta, I'm practicing that deep diaphragmatic movement of um, the bandhas. So if I'm kind of engaged, I am in some ways maybe twisting and balancing out and just shifting all the time, just like gentle flux. Hmm? So this asks one more question. Yeah. So when we do that, we don't have to think about doing the rest of it because once we turn in, it's automatically... In a perfect world. Okay, because I'm always confused. I'm like, I do this, this, and this. Right. I don't know what it looks like, but when I do this, what you just said happens. Yeah. In a perfect world. Because you in, you have a body-brain connection that most people come to the mat and don't have it. Right? Most of us are really disconnected and we're all stuck in our head. And we're trying to kind of land in our bodies. We're trying to literally embody ourselves. And because of your practice and the fact that you're into this, it's a little bit easier to tune in. Most people, you have to give them a little bit uh, more basis to create that space. But yes, in a perfect world, yeah, big toes down. Yeah, you just like, yeah. I always think of those like um, those funny little toys. You ever, I used to collect those collapsible toys from the dinosaurs. Um, those wooden toys, you press the bottom and they go like this. Yeah. And then you release it now. Sometimes awkward, forceful, courageous, it has all kinds of different names. But 
have them go into their version of Utkatasana. Okay? Now they're in Utkatasana, and we're going to have them do a revolution, right? We're going to have them revolve. And this is often in um, vinyasa classes, right? So hands to your heart, and twist to the right. What is the first thing you notice in your buddy's body? Knees. Knees. What's, what's up with the knees? Yeah, they're staggering, right? Yeah. So if our knees stagger, then our hips stagger, and it's like a domino effect, right? Okay, and so they're going to come back up and straighten up and just relax. So our ultimate goal when we twist is to stay in... So if we're going to stay in that pose, then we have to really, really think about how we're going to twist. So one of my favorite ways to get people to be aware of their body is to take a block and have them literally put the block in between their legs and squeeze. Because if they twist with the block, they're not going to jockey their knees and have a um, uh, someone out of alignment. Right? So we can all feel what it feels like. We just take the block, put it in between our legs, here you go, and squeeze. Sit deep into your chair for chair pose. Okay? On your next exhale, take and bring your left hand to the outside of the right leg and bring your left forearm down onto the legs and your right hand to your tailbone. And then lift your heart. Good. <coughs> Good. In, yep. Inhale, come on back to center. Straight arms, straight legs, reach high. Exhale, arms down by your sides. So what did you notice when you had the block in between your legs? Stayed even. Stayed even, stable, right? Easier to come. ground. Easier to ground down. Yeah. You don't over twist because to over twist you I keep my thighs engaged, yeah. which is a common distraction for me when I move out of class. to move. My feet stay grounded, but my thighs disengage. Right. That's awesome. Great. All you are noticing really good things. One thing that's really interesting is that when people twist, most people twist from their head and they go, <laughs> right? So if you say twist, that's all that happens. And but, Oh yeah, right? So you want to twist from the base of the spine to the top of your head, so you're telescoping your spine, right? So you almost want to cue, inhale, lengthen, exhale, look to one o'clock. Inhale, lengthen, exhale, twist to two o'clock. Inhale, lengthen, exhale, twist to three o'clock, because now I'm twisting from the base of the spine and my crown of my head versus just cranking. Because a lot of people want to come into this space from ego. They want to force it. Yeah? And so by using just a hand to the leg and a hand to the tail or versus hands together in prayer position and then twisting changes the whole effect of it. And I know that we're not allowed to in Yoga Alliance to say that this is yoga chikitsa or yoga therapy. Like, we can't say we're therapists, right? But at the same time, you can retrain your body just like you retrain your brain because everything's muscle memory. So we're really retraining ourselves how to find alignment and how to stay balanced. And so you want to work from the idea of less versus forcing yourself to do something. Does that make sense? Okay. So what I would like to do now is um, take the block out, and I want you to, with your partner, you're going to have them twist, right? So you might not be anything. Okay. So my partner is going to stand in um, Tadasana, and then exhale, hands to the heart. Good. Sit deep like you're sitting in a chair, and we're going to twist to the right, and this is our first hands-on adjustment. You're gonna take one hand to the tailbone, 
opportunity to work with our friends and uh, oops and try to do that okay so so what I'd like to do is everything that we start doing is really based upon that same thing that we just did with chair pose. Um, we are going to do a crescent lunge twist now. So bring your hands to your hips. Take in step. Because we just twisted to the right, let's twist to the left. Take in step your right foot back. Other right foot for most of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay? Place your right knee and shin down to the ground. Okay? Your hands come to your heart. Your left leg's almost in Utkatasana, right? So we start off with a gentle twist, placing your right hand outside of the left leg and your left hand to the low back. Inhale, lift your chest up. Exhale, twist and look to 11 o'clock. Inhale, lift and lengthen. Exhale, twist to 12 o'clock. Right, so you're twisting slowly and mindfully. So you're protecting everything. Inhale, come back to center. Hands will come to your heart. Now on your exhale, bring your right elbow outside of the left leg. For some of you, this might be too much. If that feels good, press into the right foot, keeping the balance as if your inner thighs are touching, and you twist. So you've got that revolved space. Still the same thing as if you're standing in Tadasana. You're working from the base of the spine to the top of the head. Inhale back to center. And exhale, palms down to the ground. And look to your left foot and spring your right foot to greet it. And slowly roll up to standing. Okay. With your partner... Have them bring, uh, they're going to stand there and just bring the right foot back in standing in a crescent lunge. Okay? So the back heel is up off the ground and, yep, and the toes are pointing forward. Take your right hand, you're standing behind them, make it into a fist. And have them press the leg into your hand. Your hand is at their thigh bicep, in between the knee and the hip. And push, have them push into your hand. Push into my hand. Push into my hand. There you go. What do you notice? More stable. Okay. So Barb just said more stable. Did you notice how you were more stable and more engaged? The first thing that people do, whether it's a warrior one or a warrior two or a crescent lunge, is that back leg goes passive. So one of the first things that I do before you move into a twist as you're moving through your vinyasas would be to make sure that your students' legs are engaged, active, vital, thriving, right? Then you cue the twist. So what I would like to do now is to have you um, work with your partner and have them go into a crescent twist. Okay. I just feel like it's automatically twisting with my... Right. So that's an interesting point yeah. that you're raising, and we also had another interesting point kind of come up here. Um, you know, if every pose is tadasana, you really have to work from alignment but not be locked out, right? 
So if you're starting to twist and you're flexible and that's where you're going, great. But also balance out that sh your strengths and your weaknesses. So if you're moving from flexibility but you don't feel a lot of strength, then you're going to overstretch and start hurting yourself. You have to find that kind of like balance between the two. Mm -hmm. But yes, you are twisting from Tadasana. So in, a, in, in ultimately, you're trying to really rinse out and keep your hip points yeah, forward. And then, and then the other thing that we discussed is, or that I noticed, is that because you're putting someone into the pose, you also just as carefully as you're doing these um, uh, cueing and talking and adjusting to someone, get them out of the pose just as easily because sometimes the exit is where the people hurt themselves. Because okay. you have to think about the cueing of how to get out and just be just as succinct and concrete. Um, I like to tell people that when you are working with others, that you, especially when you're starting, you want to cue like you're teaching to a robot. It sounds funny, right? Simple and succinct language, no flowery stuff, no like your hair is going to start to smell like, you know, flowers from a uh, river bed, you know, whatever. You, and also not to have your, you know, your yoga voice, but just be really uh, succinct and clear. Um, you know, like, we're going to move into a revolved triangle now. So say I was going to just cute triangle, and I had a cute triangle with three deep points. So the first thing would be to, right? So uh, reach arms and legs wide, right? And say I'm going to stretch uh, and do triangle pose to the right side, then I've got to, or left side, sorry. Pivot toes to left, right? Yep. So like really clear and succinct like you're talking to a robot. Reach left arm, left arm down, right arm up, right? Pretty simple. And then you come on out the same way that you went in. And then you won't get tied up in your words and you won't get your student confused with what you're trying to do. Because as a teacher, when you come to the mat, it's going to be hard to figure out your rights and your lefts at first. No it's yeah. a little confusing. So you, I, I, some, you know, like you can cheat and write on your hands, but you're doing opposite of what you're, you know, a lot of times you're doing opposite of what you're teaching. You know, a lot of times you might be in the front. And you're not too practiced with your students. You're guiding your students and not practicing. That's a whole other kind of mental mind F. Because you're multitasking. You have to cue the breath. You have to cue your students to keep moving. You're like, oh shit, what's my sequence? Oh yeah, and then I have to be really pithy and weave in an intention and make sure that they like stay on the mat and don't like start thinking about what they're gonna have for dinner, right? Yeah? You have to like keep them engaged. It's like ADD. You are basically doing a lot of stuff and you're also making sure that your students don't hurt themselves so you're making sure you're watching for alignment and all of these other things. So there's so much stuff happening on the mat. When you first start teaching, especially the people that I mentor, I'm always like, teach like you're teaching to a robot. Don't make it a really heavy duty kind of a thing. Just be really succinct, clear, and concise. Cueing from breath, and every pose is Tadasana, and then your alignment cues will be really good. So with the revolved triangle, what I'd like to do is, let's just shift. So we'll play rotating mats. So Barb's going to go to the green mat, and everybody just kind of follow along. <laughs> yeah.
where your sacrum is really stable because you are rotating from the base of the spine to the top of the head, right? So it's an axial trunk. Your, your um, spine is this incredible um, uncoiling serpent. And we're trying really hard to breathe into it. If your hips move, you're not gonna like not go to yoga land. It's not like a bad thing. What you want to do is work from your body. But let's all set up for triangle pose just so that you can kind of feel for the cueing. Uh, standing at the top of the mat, hands to your heart, hips, elbows reach back to open up your shoulders. Take and draw, and we'll do um, we'll twist to the right. So we're gonna take and draw the left foot back. Your feet are hip-width apart. You can be heel-to-heel -heel sometimes, but what I want today is just to have space for your hips. The back foot is turned out at a 45-degree angle, but your hip points are staying forward. You can test it out by taking and bringing your right hip back and your left hip forward. Okay? Both legs are straight and comfortable. Your hands are at your hips. Your elbows reach back to broaden the collarbones. Bring your chest halfway forward. Good. Everybody's okay? Mm -hmm. You should be able to feel really comfortable here holding yourself with the breath because your center of your practice isn't your feet, it's the breath. So you're working from the center of your body. Left hand comes down to a block or the uh, inside or outside of the right foot. Okay? Ultimately, your hand comes to the outside of your right foot. Your left hand can stay on the hip or touch the low back. And then you reach your right arm up high into a twist. If your neck isn't hurting you, you are going to look from the left hand up to the right hand, completing the rotation. Okay? What you are going to do with your friend is you are going to take and stand to the left side of their rotation, place your uh, right hip to their left hip, your right hand to their right hip, and your hand and a fist to the hand that's in the air, which is the right hand. They're going to push their hand into your hand. Yep, push your hand into my hand, and it helps the rotation. But we're not warmed up, we're not going to twist but really intensely we'll push into me and rotate, right? lengthening from the top of the head. And then slowly place, the, you're going to hold the hips now that you're here, and they're going to place the right hand down to the ground. You're going to look to the right foot, and with a little bend in the right knee, spring forward. And as your feet greet, roll yourself slowly up to standing. So why do you think I didn't adjust my friend coming at them from the side that they were rotating towards? So if she was rotating to the right, why didn't I come at them from the right? You'd be in the way of the rotation, and I think you could maybe, it could be um, dangerous for her. I could topple them over, right? I could actually be invading the space so that face could get into the teacher's privates. It's just an uncomfortable space to come. You're like really kind of just in, very intrusive. Yeah, so that's good. But why do you think that I had my hand there as a wall? What did you feel as you did that? I feel like I was like stretching more. So you got more reach and more rotation, right? It helped her to lengthen. So in a perfect world, when you open up into a pose, you want to feel like you're at a wall. Most people don't keep that length, and then they start to collapse. And then in turn, instead of being like I am against the wall, what happens is their triangle looks like this, or their triangle is too overly rotated, and they start falling out. When you help to align the hips, it makes that body in Tadasana, and it makes the twist accessible, so that I'm just literally in a place to really reap the benefits of the full pose. 
through the breath and the movement. Sound good? So now I would love for you to be able to do that with your friend. And um, I'll walk around and help if anybody needs help. So there's tons of different kinds of really excited poses that um, all are based off of if you do the principle of Tadasana and if you really focus on allowing yourselves to kind of um, work from breath, then every pose is pretty much the same, okay, in a twist. Um, on your list here, you've got um, revolve side angle, you've got dance of Shiva, you've got... Um, uh, uh, Half Lord of the Fishes is one of them. There's all kinds of different ways to find Pavrita, to create a revolution in your body and your mind. One of my favorite ones to do, and we do this a lot in classes, is a supine spinal twist, right? Okay, so what I want you to do is I want you to feel with your partner a supine spinal twist, okay? So I'll guide you through it, and you're going to do it to your partner, and then we'll switch, Okay. And this is always a really good one because it's easy and accessible. So one of you say, I'm going to go first. And you're the teacher, and you're going to go first. So the student lays down on their back. And they bend their knees to their chest. And the teacher stands up. And the teacher's only going to do one side tonight. So we're going to do uh, the student is on their back. so that we can do that same thing to them and get it. So that little trick I just taught you is a Thai body massage trick, kind of. Yeah, but it's a really good one for um, a, a way to end class, especially if you're doing a private or a one-on-one -on -one situation. It's an awesome way to help people to get a little bit deeper into their um, revolutions and all of that stuff. So the best thing is about twists is that they work with young, vital, and healthy. They keep us really healthy, right? Because they help us to de-stress and unwind. And when we get all of those nerves in our central nervous system to flow freely and create connections from disconnections, that's where we create the moksha or the freedom in our body-mind, right? To go on and do really cool stuff. Um, a lot of yogis believe that they're only as young as their spines are flexible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Twists are really great, and what are the two things that we always remember when we work from adjustments? Tadasana. Well, we're teaching from Tadasana, mm -hmm. and we're cueing. Yep, modifications on up, and feet on up, and we're cueing from the breath. Not a teacher's breath, but the student's breath. Student's breath. Awesome. And the most important thing that you want to remember is to smile and have fun. This comes from experience, <laughs> right? It takes a lot of experience and a lot of practice 
No one's asking you to be, um, you know, like a cordon bleu chef with all kinds of like awards right away. What are they, those James Beard awards, right? You don't come out of the gate with that. It's a lot of practice, 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 like Patabi Joyce says, and then all is coming. And I think that's really important to remember because you're trying to digest a lot of information all at once. Really honor your body and keep your intrinsic equilibrium and well-being as you go on this journey. Um, one of my favorite teachers and mentors always says that we're just twisted souls trying to find center. And it's pretty true. We're very imbalanced and we're just trying to find balance. So if we practice and it's habitual, and we come from a place of breath and a place from radical compassion and kindness, it'll all work out. Yeah? It was an honor and privilege to have the opportunity to spend this time with all of you, and I look forward to the next couple sessions that we do together. So thank you very much. Thank you. Mm -hmm.